Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the John Connor to my Terminator. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I feel mixed emotions about you based on where I am at my stage in life. Uh, I like that you're teaching me the, the slang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our very own Sarah Connor, mostly because of the biceps. Sarah Gronenbeck. Eric, how are you doing? Oh, great. I was wondering. I was like, oh, am I going to get the uh, get the doctor that gets the Drano in the neck? What? <laughs> What's Dr. Silber- Dr. Silberman? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Silberman. Uh, the guy who, who uh, what, uh, one of the best lines in the movie when she, uh, she how's your knee, doc? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, like that anyway. was going to help her escape. <laughs> yeah. So. So uh, we're here. It's uh, it's obviously a great time for Seahawks news. There's so much Seahawks news coming out. Big story this week was they uh, they raided Jamal Adams Fitz uh, as they came into to the uh, well. That's the second biggest story. I'll get to the biggest one in a second. Jamal Adams Fitz on uh, as they came into to uh, to practice. Uh, Eric, one through nine. Did you see th- one? Did you see this? No, I did not see this. Okay, I'm looking this up as we go. Switch switching to Kevin. Kevin, which fit did you like the best? One, two, three. You can see this on the Discord, or you could just Google like um which fit, which number did you like the best? Which uh, which Jamal Adams fit did you like, or did you see it either? Did you all miss it? Because you were in Portland this week. I was in Portland this week, and I completely missed this. So it is on the Discord. It is on the Discord. All right. So Um, is it in the Seahawks only? I don't know. I don't even remember. I just assumed you guys would have seen it. All right. Anyway, I'll just say number four is the best. And if you disagree, well, then uh, it was on the Seahawks official Twitter. Basically, they, what they did is they had nine of, you know, because Jamal Adams takes fashion very seriously. He does. Uh, he takes his his personal fashion very seriously. So as people oh, came these in, are, these are to, really good yeah. to um, practice. Did you find it, Eric? I'm there. I'm, okay, okay. Okay. So as they came into practice, uh, they had that people rate his trench fits. coat well. So okay, yeah, I was gonna say number seven is like the modern Bane look. Maybe eight too. Also, <laughs> uh, four is great. He that he said that was uh, his birthday fit. Uh, number nine is great with a thriller jacket. Um, Eric, which fit did you like the best? Now that you've had a chance to see it, I don't know. I think I might go with four with you. These are also good. These are also good. Yeah, he this guy this guy can dress really well. Yeah, like, he puts uh, a lot of thought into his. Yeah, man, that's. Uh, I'm gonna go with three. Uh, I dig three. Email, uh, email in the in the Discord. He said that uh, he knows the stylist, or he's a friend of a friend of the stylist. So he uses a stylist to to kind of make sure his fit is tight. One thing I like is that you know, for me, well it's spent. like. Yeah, he definitely is taking his clothing seriously. It looks cool. Uh, the best part of the video for me, though, is how long Jamal Adams spent thinking about which one he liked the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a, in the video, it's like a minute and 26 long, and like 30 seconds of it is Jamal like going, ooh, you know, mm, uh, you know, <laughs> which is just hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. So that was uh, that was the second biggest CX story. The first biggest is the the rivalry between the U.S. Open and uh, Drew Locke. Um, so an idiotic Seahawks fan goes on to uh, Sports Center post uh, at Seahawks fan twenty three fourteen. This is your call out if you're listening. Uh, not a not cool. He says not a sport on on a tennis post. Which I mean, and the US- real real bold original take to call out tennis. Stupid, awesome. stupid, Very, stupid take too. Go play tennis and then against one of these guys and then tell me it's not a sport. Great hobby, <laughs> by the way. Really, really uh, great hobby. Uh, uh, making fun of posting on Twitter. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, and then so the U.S. Open response: Not a sport. Says the person about to watch seventeen games of Drew Locke at quarterback, Ooh. which is just funny. an all-time straight to catch. Emotion, emotional damage for sure. I I felt it in my uh, felt it in my bones. I, I feel bad for Drew Locke because he didn't do anything. He's not he's not the idiot with the <laughs> on Twitter. But then it, this whole there's more conversation happens. He the guy responds and the U.S. Open responds with like a list of uh, Chris Sims top forty quarterbacks and Drew Locke was fortieth. And then he said they said isn't there the only thirty two teams in the NFL? Which is also funny. Yes. Very rude. Very rude. Even though I, I disagree with that, he's the 40th best quarterback. But I mean, I'm not going to put him out. I also higher. disagree with looking at Chris Sims' analysis, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um. Everyone gives Chris Sims a lot of credit because he put like Josh Allen first. Everyone's like, oh, as if it was like really stepping out on a huge limb. Yeah, or something. broken clock syndrome right there. 
Yeah. It's like, okay, Lamar Jackson is, is good. I mean, I was on that too. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, um, and if this guy, one, let's just start with this. Tennis is hard. Uh, Dude, anyone so much cardio. Tennis, anyone who thinks tennis is not hard hasn't played tennis, especially against someone who's actually good. Uh, <laughs> my cousin plays for like a high school, his high school team, and he just smokes me. So like, I, I'm, I can't imagine playing against like a, a real tennis player. And then two, uh, yeah, just be be nicer to other people, man. There's no reason to be out here just being an a hole. So yeah, because now your Seahawks quarterback caught a bunch of strays for no reason. 23-14, but now DK had to tweet about it. Oh, and... dude, did you see uh, DK's? Uh, DK was telling him to chill down, and uh, the U.S. Open account responded with, uh, after having looked at your pre-draft photo, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we agree. Another, another little great piece of Seahawks lore we should add, uh, Kenneth Walker III drew the the Seahawks logo in a, in a video featuring the rookies. Did he, though? Will... That's... That's that's the news that I know. Post the picture one more time in Discord, but man, it look he's only in the video for like one second, and that's probably because that's how long it took him to draw that. <laughs> just just the lowest effort I've ever seen. Um, so apparently, he put all his all his skill points into football he, when he when he created his, himself. He you know, no, we didn't no draft time. him to be a freelance uh, artist. You know? know, some of these are some of these were pretty good. I was like pretty impressed. Uh, so we know who the fine arts but, majors were. Yeah, I guess. Or guys who had high. Because, <laughs> you know, when you take arts in college, you can take an actual art class. Like I took Photoshop basics. Like, and so I like know how to use Photoshop kind of now. Right. You could take like an actual art class or you can take like history, history of, of music. music. <laughs> yeah. Which I also which I also took <laughs> as one of my electives. And uh, I'll just say, yeah, you, there's a difference. Like history of rock music is like a, a free A, but it's fun. As long as you go to class and do the work, you get an A. Whereas like I actually had to do art in the photoshop class so yeah um just a just a different different uh different vibe so uh all right that's basically all the seahawks news i had this week did you guys have anything geno smith remains first on the depth chart by the way i don't like it do you how do you guys feel about that i don't feel anything about it because it's a depth chart in the first week of july I know they haven't started a real training camp yet. I'm hoping Locke just plays with the ones the whole time, though. I really do not want this like Gino plays with the ones and Locke plays. You're going to get that. You're going to get that. Yeah, that is what will happen. It'll be like kind of a 50 50 ish split. And then I think what will happen is um, like and then the first preseason game, they're going to do like the you're going to get like an equal dose of each and Gino's going to come out first. And then something's going to happen where they're just going to be like, yeah, we're going to go with Locke. Yeah. Um. Oh, Nathan hates it. I don't know. I, I see those Baker Bayfield rumors swirling and stuff, and I'm just like, are we really still interested? Or are they just trying to drive up the price for Carolina? I think both can be true at the same time. Oh, my God. Please. I, I, did, I would much rather go 6-11 six and six and 11 without Baker Mayfield than 9-8 and eight with Baker Mayfield, which is what I feel like the difference will be, and it's just like not – you know, not exciting to me. Like I was at seven and 10 right now. I don't think Baker adds more than two or maybe three wins. He's not bad, but, and he will improve the team, but it's just not that helpful. It's a, this offensive line is going to have some growing pain, some level of growing pains with the two rookie tackles. It's not going to just work immediately. And if it does, I mean, that's amazing, but if it's probably not going to work immediately, it'll probably need a year to come together. And man, this year is going <laughs> to, it doesn't matter if it, who's behind that. It's going to be rough. So, <clears throat> Anyway, you guys ready to get into it? Seahawks versus the AFC South? Let's do it. Yeah, let's go. All right. The most exciting division in football, the AFC South. Uh, we'll start <laughs> off with the Houston the Houston Texans. I appreciate Houston you trying Te- to sell it there. <laughs> the Houston Texans went 4-13 and last year. They added Steven Nelson, AJ Can, Mario Addison, and Jalen Reeves-Mabin. They lost Justin Reed, Jacob Martin, Terod Taylor, and the butthole bandit, Deshaun Watson. Uh, drafting Kenyon Green, Derek Stingley, John Mechie the third, Jalen Petre. Seahawks connection, their starting center will be Seahawks legend, Justin Britt. So there you go. Uh, all right, we'll start with Kevin. Kevin, tell us how you feel about the Houston Texans. Uh, first of all, I think that we are a pro-neck podcast. Uh, we yeah. all we all respect the neck. So I, res- I, have, I have great respect for the neck. I do not think he's that bad. I do think he will continue his a positive development curve this year. Yeah, and so now that he has – okay – we also are all um, on team Brandon Cooks is actually a number one wide receiver. And so yeah, that puts yeah. us in an interesting situation when uh, looking at this offense. 
because they have a left tackle, a number one wide receiver, a quarterback who we think is trending upwards. Uh, they've drafted a running back who I'm really excited about, Damian Pierce. And paired, and paired him with a running back in Marlon Mack, who's a very capable, like, uh, number two. Um, they have, they have like, four number two running backs. Yep. Mack, Burkhead, Freeman, Agambawale. That, like, those are all guys. Those guys are, those guys are dudes. Yep. Uh, they picked up Andy Janovich, who works really well in that kind of um, hybrid back role. And... Nonetheless, I really think this office is going to massively struggle because notice how I said that they have a left tackle. I didn't say anything about the rest of their offensive line. There's a they reason need, for that. I need Kenyon Green or Titus Howard to to be guys right away. Yeah, to, for this offensive line to be good. Yeah, they need them. To, they need Titus Howard to take a step forward. They picked up AJ Can from Jacksonville, to which I would say, if you watched Jacksonville's offensive line last year, congratulations, you got a starting offensive lineman from Jacksonville. Like. That's not good. <laughs> so so my my big thing is that they needed to address I think like they needed a they need a serious pass rusher and instead they have just like a bunch of rotational dudes. And yeah, they added Rasheem Green, Seahawks legend, and who Rasheem I was Green bring. and Raheem Green and yeah, Raheem um, Green. I was going to make sure to bring up because I didn't want people to be mad. They also have Seahawks legend Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Uh but but uh this defense is just like full of guys who are they need a premier pass rusher. That Jonathan feels like Bernard needs to prove that he is because last year he kind of was. I, I, I do not. I'm not a Jonathan Grenard truther. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. I think that he's uh, kind of in that Sam Hubbard six to 11 sacks. Um, good number two pass rusher guy. Box. I mean, Sam Sam Hubbard is good because he can really stop the run, too. I don't know what, how Grenard is against the run. I have not, I have no thoughts on that. I, I mostly just watched to see if he was a good pass rusher. Uh, look it up on, in college, his, he was a pretty complete. Um, let's uh, look at his PFF rating. 61 against the run and 89 in the pass game. So he's a good pass rusher, actually, but according to PFF, but very mediocre to bad against the run. Okay. All right. Maybe Grenard is the guy, dude. I Maybe you're right. Maybe Grenard is the number one pass rusher that they need. If it is, this, is a, it, this team could be frisky in terms of winning the division. Like, they, that's really what they Only need, right? the division's terrible. Well, yeah, that, and they and they play the AFC West, which is like uh, just straight losses across the board for everyone. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's <laughs> one team in the South that can beat the teams in the West. Uh, I think there's two, but I mean, I I have them coughing up almost every game, basically. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is, uh, yeah, that's where this is where this division's at, man. This is where they're at. Uh, okay, Eric, what do you think of the Texans? Are you are you uh are you in the kind of like the caution they'll improve but not very much category? Like Kevin? no, I I don't think that they <clears throat> they have much room to improve. Not only are they facing the AFC West, but they also have the NFC East, um, which isn't a a gangbuster division by any means. But look at the NFC East teams. Okay, just you know, pick them from memory and now put them against the Texans. Sneaky, sneaky, not terrible. No, the com- and the commanders are going to dismantle them. The Giants are probably going to dismantle them. That's not good. This is a this is a low win team. All their young players that they drafted over the years, like they you know they brought some back. They you know uh, they they they're going to have improvement from them. This team, I looked this up. They have won eight games over the last two years, and. If they are going to win eight games this year, they're going to have to put on another team's helmet. So <laughs> I have I have the Texans at anywhere between four and five wins. I don't even see them getting to six. I just did the quick schedule. No, I don't see them going to six hey, wins. Hey, you guys want to know another ex-Seahawk they have? Cedric Abouye. Abouye. Yeah, that's yeah. not uh, good. Um, uh, so here's my problem with, with the Texans is they hired Lovey Smith to pl- coach this team for one year and get fired next year when they get in. And let someone else draft the quarterback. <laughs> that is a hundred percent what they're doing. Yeah. It's like they're like, "Hey, Lovey Smith, can you come in for one year? Just kind of fill the gap, kind of get these guys moving in the right direction, kind of establish a little bit of more of a, a better culture for our team, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna fire you when we bring in a, a rookie quarterback next year, unless unless Davis Mills turns out to be the guy. By the way, either way, <laughs> either way, either way, you're you're fired. Uh, and I actually like like all the quarterbacks they have on their roster are like these like. It's like Drew Locke and and Geno Smith, like guys who are not like horrifically bad, but but guys who are not good. Like Davis Davis Mills, who I think is the best and could be could be solid. Then Kyle Allen, Jeff Driscoll, Kevin Hogan, who I think is like, uh, you know, sneakily probably a decent 
uh, backup. Yep. Like these these guys, uh, I don't know. They the they've assembled a, <laughs> they've assembled a, a crew here of guys that can go. In my opinion, I have them at six and eleven. They're they're fine. There's nothing wrong with the Texans per se. I don't I don't hate them, but uh, but I'm uh, like they're they're not good. They're not going to be good, and they like I said, they want to lose. This team desire they desire uh, to to you know, really blow it up in next year's draft. And then I think next year's their year where they're going to try to make the, the big push, the push to, to relevance. And yeah, I'm going from four and 13 to six and 11 is a step in the right direction. So that's what, I'm, that's where I have them. Yeah. I have them bumping to five think? and 12 for similar reasons. Um, I think I like their draft picks. Uh, I think Stingley's obviously an impact player. If he can stay healthy, I think Kenyon green has versatility on the offensive line and at worst is a competent guard. Uh, I really like Jalen Petrie. I think John Mechie is a good like possession kind of receiver, something that they need. And I think Damian Pierce could be a starting running back. Um, I don't think that their free agency additions did much except for make sure that they didn't have a complete black hole at positions. But I don't think that they got like a lot of like great players. They were kind of a true four win team last year. They their offense was terrible. And they were trying to figure a lot out. I think they're going to be a lot more competent, but it's not going to lead to a lot more wins. Five and 12. Uh, five wins as well. I guess one game is improvement, but man, they're just they're the new low of the NFL and the same old low of the NFL. I don't know, man. The Jets still exist. <laughs> hey, man. Didn't what if use... the Bra- there's still there's still a possibility the Browns don't have Deshaun Watson. Browns regress forever. Yeah. Browns without Deshaun Watson. Yikes. Okay, uh, Colts. Last year they went nine and eight. They added Matt Ryan, Stephon Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, and Brandon Faison. They lost Rocky Sin, uh, Mark Lewinsky, George Odom, Carson Wentz, uh, Alec Pierce, Nick Cross, and Bernard Raymond came in through the draft. Uh, Seahawks connection starting center for the Seattle Seahawks. Austin Blythe was a seventh round pick by the Indianapolis Colts. Eric. Where do you see the Colts going this year with uh, with Matt Ryan and at the helm? Uh, I mean, this is this is like a dream for the Colts, right? They they finally got a quarterback after they lost Andrew Luck, and that is uh, still so sad to me that they lost Andrew Luck. He's uh, only thirty seven years young. I, <laughs> I I don't know if they would have won a championship, but man, when they when they lost him, it was just like what? Um, a yeah, lot brutal. of this, so brutal. Yeah, I I see this team can compete. I don't really know if they're going to compete like. A lot. Uh, they certainly are going to look better at quarterback with Matt Ryan than Carson Wentz. Um, I, you guys aren't really high on Stephon Gilmore. I don't have a, um, I don't have a, a real opinion on on the St- he's, Stephon I think, Gilmore. I think he's just kind of aging out. It's not like he's he's not bad. He's just kind of like he's in a is, gradual natural decline as opposed to yes. like a steep. He lost the ability to play decline. OK, yeah, I mean, he's okay. going to be 32 years old this year. He's not bad. He was not bad last year at all, but he's just not he's never going to be the guy that he was at his peak um, because his style was not like like thing about Richard Sherman was the reason I think he stayed so relevant even as he started to age out was because his style was based on just like pure. I am big and I am very physical, <laughs> whereas Stefan Gilmore is physical, but not like that. He's yeah. not, he's not, the, but he, you know what, to be honest with you, Rocky Sin to Stefan Gilmore is probably an upgrade okay. uh, for them. <laughs> so, so they, they, they got better at cornerback this off season. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, getting Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Ryan, uh, mainly getting rid of Carson Wentz was huge. Their offensive line looks like it's going to be okay. Don't forget. They still have Mo Ali Cox, who is, uh, you know, one of my favorite tight ends to keep an Gigantor. eye on. Yeah. So big. And he's very athletic. Did you did you know they drafted another guy who's like similarly as large? No. It, so, he's taller. So, so Moali Cox is 6'5, 267 coming out of college. So, you know, he's bigger than that now. Uh Jelani Woods is 6'7, 253 coming out of college. Wow. So if they, they get him in the program that Moali Cox is in, I mean, that's like that's twin towers, baby. <laughs> those, guys, those, guys are, those guys are huge. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm into it, Eric. Yeah, I like I like the Colts. Um, I won't go over the record. I'll save that. But I feel like this is a team that could they challenge for the number one spot? Yeah, in this division, in this division. Uh, yes, yeah. I think they could. I tend to agree. Eric. I think this is like the, the this is the division favorite to me. Oh, uh, really? Their 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 defense is good. You know they've got uh, they they short up the outside pass rush now. Ngakwe provides a nice floor if Quiddy Pie or Ben Bonogu are just not not it. Um, 
now they have a real strong pass rusher to to kind of work next to DeForest Buckner, which is what you want, right? You yeah. want Buckner to be freeing up a guy to get singled all day and then just eat. And Yannick Ngakwe can eat if he's singled up all day. Uh, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okuru, like will patrol the middle of the field. Like I said, Gilmore is a small upgrade over Rocky Sin. I don't think they needed to get much better there. Faison provides a nice floor if the uh, on the other side where they're they're going to be not good, but it, it'll, it'll be it'll be fine. Uh, it'll be good enough, and like the offense will be able to move the ball. Like this is this is the thing about this offense is they're not going to be they're not going to be uh, bad. So like they, Alec Pierce is a nice add, I feel like. Um, and then they've got Pittman and Paris Campbell. Apparently, is just tearing camp up, which I love because Paris Campbell is a guy I, I thought looked really good coming out of college as a slot wide receiver, but he's not. He's he's gone full Rashad Penny. He's <laughs> just never been able to be healthy even for like a day. Uh, and Ryan, Ryan is much better than, than Carson Wentz. Like say what you want. Um, Matt Ryan, thir- even at 37, like you said, Eric, he's a real quarterback. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I think that this is the team to beat in the, in the division, uh, in the AFC South. Kevin, do you, do you agree? Is this the team to beat or do you, ha- do you think a little less of them? Yeah, I have them as the favorite in the division. Um, and I actually have them as one of the better teams in the AFC. Uh, I think something that you hit on really well. Jonathan Taylor makes it so that the floor of your offense is higher than it otherwise would be. And Matt Ryan is somebody who can like, we've seen what he can do in an offense that has all the pieces together. Um, He's capable of distributing the football of running an offense and of not making the big mistake the way that Wentz is not someone you can rely on for. He was a poor fit for what they were trying to do. I understand why they kind of panic moved into it. I do think it's funny that their new hope rests on a quarterback that's five years older than Andrew Luck. It's <laughs> also it sucks yeah. that they had to that they had to um they had to trade their first round pick for uh for Carson Wentz last year. Like this team but could good really, job recouping some of that value. Man, Washington. I really I really think that this is a team like if they had their first round pick last year. The, the this year that this is that pushes them over the top for me into like the true number one seed AFC contender, but they just they're kind of missing like one guy. To well, instead of I Alec Pierce, like. they would probably have one of those top twenty wide receivers, or they would have been able to draft another cornerback like a first round CB. Yep, they would have got the the guy from Florida or whatever. Like, yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah, Kyrie Elam would I mean. be a, would be a, a difference maker there. Um, I would say Alec Pierce as a field stretcher is interesting if he can kind of get his hands figured out. If Paris Campbell can actually be healthy. He's a really good weapon for this offense. Um, And then the big question for me is whether or not left tackle could be competent. Bernard Raymond was a good value pick, and he should actually be pretty um, play ready. Uh, Getting Dennis Kelly, who can just come in and be like a C minus at tackle, does give you a nice floor. And then they got Matt Pryor from Philly. And so between those three players, I feel like they can at least get competency out of left tackle. And they have a really good rest of their offensive line. So I do think that their offense is going to be like top five, somewhere in there. Um, it, it depends on if Michael Pittman's the only threat in the passing game or not. And then for defense, I agree with you. I think uh, Ngakwe was a great pickup. Another person I want you to keep an eye on is uh, Deo Odinglo, uh, who was a draft pick last year. He was coming out of Vanderbilt and had an injury. And um, he was a guy who... He would have been a higher pick. He went in the second round because he was hurt. He's kind of raw. And if he develops at all, then having him be kind of that inside, outside versatile pass rusher to go with Buckner and Gakwe, uh, Pay, um, and if Ben Benagu, uh develops at all, like they've got a really interesting mix of talent along the defensive line to go with what's a very competent rest of their defense. I think this is a really solid team. Like they don't have any terrible position groups and they have a number of them where they're pretty good. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I guess since I was last, I'll go ahead and give my record. I have them going 11 and six and winning the division. I am going 10 and seven. I, I think they, I think they could be worse though. It just depends on how good the AFC West is. Like if the AFC West, I have them splitting two, two against the AFC West. I could see them losing all four of those games and then being eight, mm-hmm. nine. And then, um, yeah, well, I'll, no spoilers. I'll, I'll tell you what that means in a little bit, though. Okay, um, but yeah, so I have, them at ten, I have them at 10 and 7 right now, though. Yeah, I have them at 10 and 7 as well. Looking at their schedule, there's a lot of easy home run wins that they should have. 
the question mark games are like, man, they can turn this into 11 wins, but 10 is likely. Yeah, they got home home against Pittsburgh, home against Manders. Those are like free squares. They got a couple home against uh, home against Texans, obviously the divisional game. The Texans, not that good. Um, all right, so uh, yep, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville Jaguars went three and fourteen last year. They added like a million guys. I wrote down the top six: uh, Foley, Fatukasi, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Brandon Scherf, Foye Olakun, Darius Williams. Uh, they lost Miles Jack. Uh, Andrew Norwell, DJ Chark, and AJ Can. They drafted Dre- Devin Lloyd, Travon Walker, Chad Muma. Seahawks connection. Uh, both the Seahawks and the Jacksonville Jaguars start a cornerback that got their career start on an, on each other's teams. Uh, Sidney Jones and Shaquille Griffin. Kevin, does God still hate Jags, or uh, <laughs> is this is this fi- finally <laughs> finally the year where they turn the corner? You know, it takes a lot to overcome a terrible front office, but the march toward competency was definitely there with this offseason. Uh, like adding Brandon Scherf to replace uh, Norwell, who is one of their um, who is one of their only good offensive linemen last year. Uh, like it's a slight upgrade. Um, I'd like to see more. Uh, Evan Ingram provides someone who can effectively catch passes. They need that. Hey, well, that, that that's Dan Arnold slander right there, and I don't appreciate it. Dan Arnold was also injured for a big chunk of last year, in addition the to postman. being Dan Arnold. Um, <laughs> they added uh, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones, who are both like number two slash three wide receivers. So there's they have five. So guys. They have like six. They have six number two receivers. Like they have. I think you're like, being a little kind to some of those receivers. Hey, I'm a Laquan, Laquan Treadwell truther. I'll never give up. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Eric? Is uh, is Doctor Doom messing with you all right up, now? man? You're gonna get a. <laughs> no, I was sorry. I was I was choking on water. That's my new dog for everyone on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I mean, add up all those number twos. You just get one number one from all those guys, right? That's how it That's works. That's how that works. Yeah, they can actually uh, they actually form Voltron when you also <laughs> Nathan um, when you said Laquan Treadwell. That's the name I always look at at a fantasy and go, ah, uh, he's he's available. Oh, yeah, Lacron Treadwell. Yeah, he's one of those. Uh, no, I'm not going to go. <laughs> Too bad he uh. left his healthy leg and career behind in college. Yeah, that that's that's rough. Um, but but nonetheless, they'll be able to like at any point in time put three to four functional NFL wide receivers on the field. Um, their head coach isn't just getting the bump and grind. He's actually going to be head coaching. Like Doug Peterson is competent at the very least yeah. i think we can all agree there um adding uh Fadakesi and uh some of the other players they did along the defensive line they'll have competency there uh foya luacon in uh drafting devin lloyd that gives them players that can play like meaningful snaps like they have some people who can get a lot of tackles man they invested a lot at linebacker though because they got uh Oluokon. then they drafted chabuma in the third which there's some redundancy there. And then they drafted Devin Lloyd in the first, which they traded up to do. And they literally can't play all three of those guys at the same time. Yeah. And then that was after they got Trevon Walker, who's the biggest wild card in this draft, because he might end up being like red Bryant with more athleticism, which Uh, is a good player, but my number one overall, like, I don't know. I, I feel like they needed to, I feel like they were going for home runs when they just need doubles on that one. So I think they they're they're thinking with Muma is that he will need time to to get to get weight on his body, which is why so they, they paid Olukun a billion dollars. Well, they have so the thing about <laughs> Olukun's uh, contract is they can get out of it pretty soon. So the, it's not like there's a whole bunch of guaranteed money after. Uh, I think I looked this up the other day. I was like, this this contract's terrible. What are they doing? But then I noticed that like, yeah, they can. They basically only have to get to the end of 2023 and then they can just basically get rid of him. That makes so, more sense. That's that's more excusable. I didn't catch that part. Yeah, they 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 only have four million in dead money after next year. So I think they're just their plan is like let Muma develop for a year or two. We love the talent, but we're scared to put him out there for a million snaps, which yes. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I think true. I think that's I think that's the correct call. So I I, I kind of get what they're doing. And also Olakun and Lloyd coming Miles Jack is like the most overrated player in the NFL. So so I think that's like a huge upgrade on the uh, reverse end of that, though. I think DJ Chark is being underrated for what they lost. 
Yeah, but I think Kirk and Zay Jones is uh, is DJ. Solid. Yes, that's that's they they filled that hole. Yeah, they definitely uh, okay, paid but, no, like number one NFL wide receiver money for DJ Chark again. Doug Peterson, good. Doug Peterson, good coach. They they made the right choice there. If they can get him to influence the decision making more, the more influence he gains in the room, the better this team will continue to get. Uh, Doug Peterson is as a has a track record of getting good play out of every quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is by far the most talented guy he's ever worked with. Okay. Trevor Lawrence rules. Uh, so I really like that pairing of Lawrence and Peterson. I'm never going to pick against special teams coach Heath Farwell, Seahawks legend Heath Farwell. Um, I love, love that guy. I came into this thinking like, I I'm about that guy. So when I, st- when I started, yeah, he used to be assistant special teams coach for us too. Uh, when I started this, I was like, I'm going to pick the Jaguars to win the division. I'm going to be bold. Like, I want to get in here and do this. But like, the more I looked at it, the more I was like, this roster is like one more year away. Yep. Like, they need they need to like throw a couple picks at offensive line, try to find a number real number one wide receiver. The defense will be pretty good, I think. Um, I do think it's weird that they're using um, uh, Walker at outside linebacker. I don't know if that's like. Like, okay, so on first down, we have Allen and Walker on the outside. Then we're going to kick him into to, to DE and play Shaysan and Allen on obvious passing downs. And Shaysan's now just like a pass rush specialist guy. I, I don't know what the deal is there. I feel like you want all three of those guys on the field at the same time, but maybe against the run game, it's just like... I feel they, like they, that's they more of an indictment against Shaysan because Shaysan's not been anything. For them. Yeah, like... That it's just I don't know I I think that there you you can mix and match there a little bit and maybe do some some interesting things, uh but I I an Arden Key same thing is a guy who could play inside and outside probably depending on situation, uh, I like that signing like I said I wanted to come in here and pick Jacksonville to be good but it's just I think they're one more year away this is a I think this is an ascendant team though this team is a lot better and the difference between Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson is is worth a lot yes um it's worth it's quite a, it's a bit a lot I, uh Eric what did you did you like uh did you see the Jags as a team on the rise or is this are they treading water for you like uh like the Texans? There's uh no one can tread water quite like the Texans, Nathan. <laughs> um the Jacksonville Jaguars have two two big things they did. Uh or they have going for them, I should say. Uh head coach Doug Peterson. I believe he's a good coach. I believe he's a solid coach. Uh I have no issues with him i think that he will bump them up a couple wins at least instill a good culture here's my here's like the rub the big issue trevor lawrence uh if he takes a big step forward this year then he will uh bring them with doug peterson along to the win total that i have for them i'll get to in a second if he doesn't yikes that's terrible news like i think there's a lot of pressure on trevor lawrence to be that that number one pick that that great quarterback that you know you can't always count on a home run quarterback 2022 draft um in the first round um if he can actually take that step forward and just be you know very good then he will take this team all the way to seven wins that's i also have them at seven wins and uh one thing i think people forget is okay like patrick mahomes did not play his first season Josh Allen was straight up bad his first season. Very bad. Much worse he was. than uh than Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think that people expect these quarterbacks to just come in year one and dominate because a few guys have. But like think about the guys who have. Baker Mayfield was awesome his first year. And um, I don't know if you know this, but they can't give that guy away now. Like <laughs> Like they just want someone to take the salary and no one's doing it. So I, I'm a, I'm fine with Trevor Lawrence rookie year. Like it's it yes it, it it was not great, but it was a terrible situation with a terrible coach. Um, we we can now kind of wash that out. The talent is still there that got him drafted number one overall, and we saw it in the last game of the season where they absolutely Indianapolis was in a must win game. Indianapolis needs to win one game against the Jacksonville Jaguars to make it to the super or to make it to the playoffs, right? That's all they got to do. They just got to beat Jacksonville. Uh, they Trevor Lawrence and the and Jacksonville come out like uh, they play their best best game of the season. He went 23 for 32, two touchdowns, averaged 7 yards per attempt, only took one sack. Uh really just played an excellent game of football. They won 26 to 11. Like that was that was basically their playoffs, right? Like their playoffs was to ruin Indianapolis this season. Yep. And they did it. And they did it. I, I, and I think their roster is better than last year. So yeah, like seven and 10, they're going to improve by four wins. That's a huge improvement. And I think everyone in the, in that organization should be happy with that. If they go seven and 10. 
to be honest. The problem is, like like Kevin said at the beginning, their ownership and their GM are trash. So like that's that's uh that's pretty hard to you got to square that circle somehow. Doug Peterson needs to get more and more influence for this team to really become a playoff team. Or they need to fire and get an actual competent GM. Twenty seventeen, the Freddie Kitchens year, the Browns went zero and sixteen. The next year, by going from a let's see, the U.S. Open would rate him about the 43rd head coach in the NFL. And by the way, there's only 32 teams. They moved to a competent head coach and went 7-8-1. This is that kind of situation. We're going from an outside of the top 32 head coach to a top half of the NFL head coach in Doug Peterson. That's enough to move them to 7-10 and 10 for me. I think we're in consensus here. Nice. Yeah, I think it's a it's a real it's a it's a solid team. They're frisky. They're not they're not going to be great, but they're frisky. They won't right, be drafting last, number one like overall unless something gets terribly wrong. Last team, the Tennessee Titans. They added Austin Hooper, Trenton Cannon, AJ Moore, Demarcus Walker. Oh, they went twelve and five last year. Uh, they also added Robert Woods. They got uh, they lost Roger Saffold, David Questenberry, Rashawn Evans, and Jayon Brown, and uh, AJ Brown. And AJ Brown, yes, I wrote I wrote that down somewhere else. Uh, they drafted Traylon Burks, Roger McCreary, Malik Willis, Seahawks connection. The big ad of their offseason in free agency was Jamarco Jones. That was the highest paid player they brought in in free agency, other than Austin <laughs> Hooper. Uh, Eric, what do you think about the What do you think about the Titans? I have a I don't think this is a hot take. I think this is a realistic take for the Titans, and I'm gonna kind of spoil my my pick because it's it's I just got I'll put it in there at once. The Titans are regressing because oh, yeah. if you're going <laughs> if you're going to lead a division that is very bad, then you kind of need to stand out. You can't be like look at when the NFC West was terrible all those years. What happened every year? The Super Bowl was represented by the team in the NFC West. They like had a bunch of schlubs, and then you had like the 49ers who were good. the The Rams were good for a couple of years. We were good. Uh, the Cardinals made one year uh, were. Ken Wisenhunt was like, yeah, I made some money, and they were good. Uh, the Tennessee Titans were always like, there's one year where they were really good, and like last year they were just, uh, we're just, we're going to be better next year. We're going to be better next year. And this team is, I'm, I'm, I think I'm out on this team. I did not like the trade for uh, Burks for AJ Brown. Is that basically what they did? They basically got Robert Woods and Traylon Burks for AJ Brown. And I like Robert Woods a lot. I'm a Robert Woods truther. He is 30, 75. How old is he? 38, 34? Robert Woods is, thir- Robert Woods is 30, which is usually 30. when. So the, there's two ways receivers go after 30. Okay. They either like stay really good for like five more years or they fall off a cliff and they're completely irrelevant. Yes. And there's really no in between. They're, they're either good till 35 or they're. Good till thirty one, and, and that's just it. Seems old. He's like an old. John about to hit his prime. I coming, love coming, Robert, Woods. Robert Woods coming off of a very serious injury too. Yes, right? like, yes, he is, and I hard. love that guy. Like he's one of those guys where I, I always hated him playing against him because he was so good. Uh, is he going to be anything for them? But yeah, I did not like that the ditching of AJ Brown. I felt like AJ Brown would would excel in another environment, and so he will. Uh, he was great for them. I think the Julio Jones move they did last year was very telling and that they don't really know what they're doing. I have this team at 10 wins, which is the same as the Colts. Uh, it's a flip a coin situation for who's going to win the division. I'm not ready to like pack my bags on the Colts or on the Titans, but uh, man, they are. I, I am ready to pack my bags. You on are. Titans. Is it because of Ryan Tannehill? It's I don't. So, OK, I don't think. Tannehill seems to be like that thing he said about like, I don't want to help Malik Willis or whatever. I, I'm not, it's not my job to, to help train him or whatever. Bad, bad move, bad Grow look. up, buddy. Uh, I think that that kind of stuff can tear your locker room apart. If it, if it doesn't, Vrabel is like a, like a straight up culture guy, right? Like I don't love on the bright side. But Tannehill, lose- apparently Malik Willis sucks. So <laughs> yes, apparently he's bad. Uh, the, yeah, all the word is that he's like not ready, but, but the Whoa. other thing, the other thing not is, ready. is like, Derrick Henry, like, did he look great coming back from his injury? Not really. He's 28 years old. Like, this is where running backs either go up or down. They they drafted Hassan Haskins in the fourth round, which makes me think that they they don't know if Derrick Henry will be qu- quite what he was. And in addition to that, this team's just getting older. It's getting older. It's a team that's aging out, like Bud Dupree and Taylor Lewan. Like, these guys are just getting older, and it's affecting my opinion of the team. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great roster anymore. It's just, I look at it and I'm like, not excited about what they're doing. I think it's a, like you said, Eric, a team moving the wrong direction. They went 12 and five last year, but I felt like it was a very fortunate 12 and five. Like if you look yeah. at the way, like it, they were not like a straight up, Oh, this was a team that should be 12 and five. It, it was uh yeah, they were 20th in DVOA. Um, they had a 10 win Pythagorean win loss, according to, uh, Pro Football Outsiders, like if you if you look at it by the numbers, they were fortunate to be a twelve win team. And I just think they got worse. Like AJ Brown, so AJ Brown's import was important to this team because he provided them a way to take the top off the defense, and they had to respect it because otherwise you can just disrespect the team and try to you know beat Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry is a guy where if you hit him in the backfield, he's gonna go down. I know everyone thinks like, oh Derrick Henry, he breaks so many tackles. He's great in the open field, and what he makes him special is. It, is a guy that size should not be able to run that fast. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's a, uh, it's not. It just seems impossible. He's too big to run that fast. And so Derrick Henry's great. Like if you can get him, get him some daylight, he's gone. But if you can gum him up and and hit him in the backfield, like he's not, he's he's not unstoppable like that. It's not like, it's not like beast mode where beast mode was going to get you three yards no matter what. Derrick Henry is not that guy. To he's a guy who can break big runs if you get him out. So he's, he's like Rashad Penny if if he ate Rashad Penny. <laughs> to get to get big to get to get bigger uh like that's what he's like though derrick henry is, a, is fantastic i'm just picturing but, him doing like the piccolo fusion dance with rashad penny <laughs> oh no he needs to rashad penny needs to eat rashad penny so that he can become bigger like derrick henry okay Traylon burks then so they draft taylor Traylon burks because they need a guy who can take the top of the defense and i like the profile for Traylon burks but so far all the word out of camp is that he's skipping everything because of his asthma uh, that's not good. It's not good, guys. This is not, not, everything, everything bad right now for for Titans. I'm not into what they're doing. Uh, I'm very down on the Titans, but I, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it. On how down, uh, Kevin? What do you think about the Titans? I thought that the Titans were going to regress some last year. I was correct in everything except for the win loss. Um, yeah, they... they they kind of lucked their way into an extra win and a half, which you know, good for them. But losing their best weapon on offense in AJ Brown hurts. Um, Ryan Tannehill is quietly older than everyone realizes uh, because he played the full five in college. Uh, they took need forever to become a starter. Yep. He's like 33. Yeah. He's... They need Dylan Redunds to come in and be like a top 10 right tackle for the offensive line to keep its level that it was when the team was most successful. They need Robert Woods to come in and be like, straight up Robert Woods right away. Um, I mean, Jamarco Jones is going to start on this team. Like that's a hundred percent happening unless something on ex- one of these undrafted free agents is like really good. Yeah. Jamarco is a starter for them. Like that, that should tell you like where the interior of their offensive line Dude, is. Dude, They also have Jordan Roos. Sorry. I just saw that. Oh, yes. They also have Jordan Roos. That's correct. I mean, he I'm is... not saying anything about that being good or anything. I'm just saying it's, it's a true thing. <laughs> is Jordan Roos not the most Mike Vrabel player though? That's uh, possible. <laughs> okay, that's valid. Um, <laughs> a lot but, of heart in that kid. And then Traylon Burks is someone who his he did a lot of things, but like a lot of the stuff he did in college, he needs to prove that those are things you can do in the NFL. Um, Kyle Phillips, who was picked in the fifth round, I think might actually have um, more net success this year compared to like what he's capable of. He's a good slot receiver. But then you drafted both to play in the slot. I don't know. It's it's a little bit confusing. They, they're in a transitional period where the old offensive core is aging out. They picked up a couple of older guys, but then you look like their defensive the sh- backfield is like good and kind of young. The strength of the strength of their their offense is like just slowly bleeding. Like their offensive line just gets worse every year. Yeah, they need a new offense. Like, but I feel like they're going to be in one of those situations where. When Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry and Christian Fulton and Amani Hooker and uh, Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden are ready to lead the next defense that's going to be really good, they're going to be building a brand new offense. I don't know how they're going to catch up and have a really good offense and a really good defense at the same time. Yeah, hmm. I... I... I don't, I don't, I don't know about this team. I'm just like kind of out. I think, like I said before, playing the AFC West, tough. Playing the AFC East, who I think is like better than most. I like the Giants. I like the Cowboys. I like the Eagles. The Manders are not going to embarrass themselves. Like they're not, they're not good. 
they're like uh but they're they're not going to embarrass themselves so i'm 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 in on uh i'm out on the titans i'm at six and eleven whoa yeah i just think like there's a chance that they lose every single game to the afc west and they're just straight up bad like they're not fun to watch like this this beginning stretch of the season okay they go they go giants that's a win right but then you go bills at bills they're losing that game yep then the Raiders come to town. I think the Raiders are people. The, the head cannon is not cut up. The head cannon is not cut up to the Raiders. I think they're a good football team. Colt. They got the Colts at Indianapolis. No. Then they have Washington. If at Washington, like if they could go, they could go into their by one and four. No problem. And then I think it's just like all hell's breaking loose. So then they got to play after the bye. They got to play Kansas city. They got to play Broncos. They got to play uh, the Bengals. They got to play the Eagles. Like, I mean, they got to play the Chargers. Like, there's just too many good teams on this schedule. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's brutal. The Titans are going to get brutalized by this schedule, I think. And then the, their fans are just going to whine about how hard the schedule is. That's that's my that's my prediction. But like I said before, that I said when I first did this division, I had the Colts winning the division at eight and nine. Uh, and then I was like, that's too bold. I I can't do that. Like, I just think there's a chance this division really stinks from all aspects. Uh, they're just they're just like not good. So, yeah, anyway. So I have the Titans going eight and nine, and I have them closer to seven wins than nine wins. Yeah. Okay, all right. So we're, we're, we have, we're, we have the, a wide range on the Titans. That might be a one to watch for variance. Yeah, I didn't see. think – see, I didn't see them regressing so far. I guess that'll be fun to watch. Titans in my watch. head, one, In one, my one. head, the Titans are a 10-win team last year. That's the thing is I regress – So I regress them from 10 wins, not from 12. Okay. That's kind of what I did okay. too is I thought, I thought like the Titans were – a 10 win team last year. And then I saw they won 12 games and I was like, Oh, so, and the, here's the thing. If you give the credit for those wins to Mike Vrabel as like, this is a great culture and a great coach. And they're going to get to, they're going to overperform by a couple wins because of that. I, I, I think that's a fair argument to make. I don't believe it. <laughs> so, so I personally am not going to do that. But if you did that, if you're like, you know what? The Titans are always going to overperform expectations because Mike Vrabel rules. That's a defensible stance. I think, I don't think that's, that's completely fine. I'm I'm just I'm just not that high on Mike Vrabel at all. I think he's a cool guy, but he's like um he's like a less cool Dan Campbell. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of cool factor in Dan Campbell. You can go a long way before that. Yeah, less cool Dan Campbell is still still cool, but he's still you know all right. He's still Dan Campbell. I mean, he's not Dan Campbell. All right, there are many ways <laughs> to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so is over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest and for as little as a dollar twenty four a month, get access to our, our fantasy football stuff. Is going to start up soon. Uh, we're gonna have some, uh, and then we have our betting stuff and the game, the weekly gambling podcast during the season. Lots of fun, and also, of course, the Discord where you can talk to us all the time. So, uh, thanks to Andy, Brett, Dudolph for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Greta, James, Joe, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and everyone who supports the show. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Uh, 31 years ago today to the day. So one thing I do is like I look up for movie club. I look up like what movies are co- coming out this week, right? And like that's why we did the music movies last week because of Elvis. I look at what movies uh, – and then I look at, also look up – a lot of times I look up what movies released on this day. And more, no, more, most of the time I don't like get inspired by that. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Those movies released today. But there was a movie that came out 31 years ago today that I was just like, you know what? Got to do it. This movie rules. Uh, I want a chance to talk about it. It's a Terminator 2 judgment day uh eric you said you saw this movie like the day it came out so tell us like what's your what's little eric so that's gonna be like you're gonna be like nine years old back then right so i was bad. like nine. i was a teenager i was uh, okay she's 13 something like that like, 13 okay so yeah i'm not good thir- at math middle school eric eric uh, the ryan Tannehill of this podcast everyone thinks he is younger than he is but it took him a while to become I, a starter i don't know if i'm regressing uh, kevin i mean am i so 13 year old eric what did you think of uh of terminator 2 back in the day what's your what's your memory uh, this is like it was the best movie ever it was one of those where you looked at it like oh it's a sequel to that movie from a long time ago which was like you know four years or something but you know when you're a kid it's it's a long time i guess it's a long time for a sequel um it looked like the greatest action movie ever made and when i saw it i kind of had to concede that it was better than 89 batman which is like you know my my height <laughs> of the time i was like yeah it was it was to 13 year old eric ronnebeck what uh, I, the matrix is to uh, uh john <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah it's it was uh, i think it's better than indiana jones and the last crusade yeah definitely um it it just 
it blew me away in every every single way it could. I mean, story, um, comedy, action, action, action. Uh, this is at the at the time when Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, you know, the the absolute height. I don't know if he's actually come higher than than this movie as far as his body of work. If you look at this movie, you can call it a film. It's more than just an action movie. It's got amazing pacing. Uh, as as this movie starts to go, you know, get quiet. There's another action scene. I felt that when I was a kid, and I still feel it now. Yeah, it's the action in this movie is just so good. I mean, let's let's just start with the opening action, right? Where like where the Terminator like this is like the first really actiony thing that happens in the movie, right? Where the Terminator goes, uh, the T eight hundred eight hundred. Uh, goes back in time and he he he's in a bar and he's this is like a, such an iconic what an iconic movie scene just the whole thing it's been parodied really, so much too yeah really cool way to establish that that the t800 is a badass uh, like like just give me give me your your coat and your boots and your keys to your motorcycle and then and then he and then uh, the, the guy's like you didn't say please and he puts the cigar out on his chest yeah and blows it doesn't even doesn't even flinch doesn't even move like <laughs> one inch and then and then the guy comes behind him with the with the pool cue and hits him in the head and the and the just doesn't even move doesn't even flinch like that stuff just establishes it's i love stuff like that because it's it's like um movies like john wick do this too where they show you something really cool and it establishes the character for the rest of the movie you don't have to do anything right no work even if you've never seen terminator you know okay the t800 this thing Arnold Schwarzenegger, this guy is, this guy's a badass, right? Yeah. You are, you are, you are fully aware in that scene and the way the guy's shaking at that and just gives him the keys. Because <laughs> he gets thrown <laughs> on a grill. That was, as a kid, I was like, wow, that was, that looks really painful. Yeah. And then it the, the comes out, they, what, what's the song they play when he comes out the bar, right? Bad to the bone mm-hmm. or something like that. It's, it's, <laughs> there's such a, there's such a, a switch in music uh, that I really like too. Cause inside the bar, you got that, that kind of anachronous country music playing and then when he leaves the bar you switch it to like the the bad to the bone which i think is just a funny funny transition so yeah i i thought that scene that scene rules it's like it's a classic for a reason yeah it's a really subtle way to add some levity to what was a pretty intense scene it's it's fun yeah it's yes you're right it makes it i would generally say the scene transitions and establishing shots and stuff in these movies are just like absolute top shelf yeah this there's so much uh Good stuff. So, okay. Uh, then there's, so we have a, a, the T. So then we, we go and Sarah Connor's in the, in the, uh, she's in the psych ward and she's turned her bed sideways so she can do like pull-ups and get, get ripped. And Linda Hamilton in this movie is shredded, dude. This is where she found her fitness. She wasn't, she wasn't this type of like a fitness person before this movie. And then she decided like, I'm going to get ripped for this movie. And she never looked back. Yeah, she is. She was, she is just shredded in this movie, dude. And then, so, okay. So she's, she's, she's doing uh, pull-ups and stuff. And then, yeah, she's talking trash to, as I said earlier, to the, uh, <laughs> to, the to the doctor. Uh, and the doctor's kind of talking about how she's like delusional and she thinks the world's going to end and judgment day is coming and she's trying to stop judgment day. Um, and then he's talking about how, like, you know, she thinks the father of her child came is from, you know, come came from the future and, uh, all this stuff and making fun of her. You know, we know it's all true, right? <laughs> because we, we've seen the behind movie. the curtain. We saw the first movie, but, but he's, he thinks it's all, you know, a, a delusion or whatever. So then we have, then we cut to the, that they're in a shopping mall, right? And, uh, John, the, the T 800 and the T 1000, kind of converge in so the shopping fast. mall. Yeah, this it's is like no, it's way so faster sudden. than you think. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh we got we're gonna establish that one, the T eight hundred there's a cool part where he has a shotgun in like a it's a box of roses or something. Yes. For, another he, iconic scene. And, and for no the, reason really. That's that's yeah. the best part. There's no pull, reason for him to do that. Pulls the shotgun out. Well it's cause it's cool when he pulls the shotgun out of the that's box of roses. <laughs> the roses the roses all fall and he's stepping on the roses and it's like, oh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that, then, that was some John Wu stuff right there. Like all it was missing was some doves in the background. He takes the <laughs> he takes the T one thousand out and uh and then uh, he he takes T one thousand out and it's like turns into like liquid metal, which is like 
man, in nineteen, what was this? Nineteen ninety one special effects. Ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, it was. What a great, what a great special at effects. the drive in theater that blew my mind. Yeah. Did you, Eric? What do you think? Like, would you? Were you like, these are the greatest effects I've ever seen? Oh, yeah, it didn't look fake at all. Like that whole movie, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. I still think a lot of it stands up. I mean, yeah, some of it, it holds you up can, completely. You can, you know, if you're really looking for it. But man, it's it's I, a lot of it's practical. Like, you know, they're they're gluing like those metal protrusions on his chest after he gets shot. You know, because mm-hmm. the, the quick cuts. But yeah, also Robert Patrick. Uh, this was his debut for me anyway. I don't know what he was in before this. Uh, despite being like the the uh, uh, the die, brother die of the guitarist from Filter and Nine Inch Nails, Die Hard Two, Die Hard Two, he's one of the mercenaries. Yeah, that I think that's like like the only thing I can think of that he was in. He plays guy that, in I, army in a million things. Before, uh, yeah, but before that, yeah, he was in a few things, and he he's just kind of made himself a, a you know good character actor role from this movie going forward. But uh-huh, the fact agreed. that he was just this like kind of like scrawny like wiry guy i guess you call him wiry and he held his own against arnold granted they're both robots and they're both from the future and they're fighting but it felt believable because the way he carried himself there's a sense of menace yeah that that um that that he carries with himself he seems menacing he's able to he has an aura about him that makes him feel menacing that i don't He's uh, Jason it's hard to, from uh, Friday the 13th. It's He's hard to explain. The have you seen this boy and he holds up the picture and it's just really unsettling. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's so menacing. And so anyway, uh, you know, John Connor realizes that uh, that he's got control over the T-800. So he's going to he tells him we got to go save my mom and we got to go do all this stuff. Oh, and there's a scene. There's a cool scene where where he's. um. He's talking on the phone to his foster parents. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. And then he's like, and he's like, the dog's barking. And then he's like, what is the dog's name? And then he does the voice changing thing, which I which I like. Uh, and he talks like he's John Connor. He uses John Connor's voice. And he says the dog's name, but the wrong name. And Fluffy, the right? Wolfie, I think is what he yeah, says. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. He, and he says, and then the, the, the person on the phone's like, oh, yeah, Wolfie's doing fine. And then it's like, he's like, your parent, your foster parents are dead. <laughs> it's like so, so matter of fact, like. So that woman, like, by the way, uh, his stepmom, his foster mom was Vasquez in Aliens. Um, she's a stunt woman. She was in uh, Lethal Weapon 2, I think. She was yep. in Predator 2, maybe? Maybe was she not? She's in a, she's in a lot of yeah. stuff. Titanic, uh, uh, LA Law. She's a like, stunt uh, woman who had the looks to make it past being a stunt woman. Uh, that's Hollywood talk, not my thought. Uh, and now she actually makes bras for the stars. Nice. So Way let's also Jeanette take this team. chance to talk about Danny Cooksey, who's in there. Um, those of you who uh, grew up in the 90s would know him as uh, Bobby Budnick from Sleepy yes. Shorts. Don't forget uh, about Hey Dude. Yeah, he was also in Mac and Me, for those of you who are fans of the one clip that got shown over and over again. <laughs> he was in Mac and Me. So then, then they, uh, okay, so then they go... Uh, the next, like they, then it kind of turns. So then they go rescue his mom from the, from the, uh, psych ward. Great scene. Yes. Uh, where she's afraid of the T eight hundred, saying that it's gonna kill them all and stuff. And they're like, whatever, man, stop freaking out. <laughs> and then he, then he does kill them all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So then, uh, basically, Sarah Connor picks the brain of uh the T eight hundred and figures out who they need to kill. They need to kill um, the Cyberdyne guy, uh, yes. Miles Bennett Dyson. Uh, they they need to they need to kill this guy. So they once they figure that out, they um, it kind of turns into like a road trip kind of thing or a buddy. Con- like there's there's lots of scenes where the T eight hundred and uh, John are making jokes. There's scenes where they're making jokes with each other, and he's teaching him how to say like phrases. You like, gotta wonder how many outtakes there are for that. Yeah. Um. Then, then they finally make it to Dyson's house, and they she can't kill him. She can't she can't bring herself to do it. Uh, but the T eight hundred talks to him. Wait, did we just skip past the car chase? There's a car chase on a motorcycle. Yeah, yes, the right? motorcycle and the semi truck. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, there's really just too many great scenes. Yeah, it's just like it's in there. Yeah, and so yeah, they uh. They sur they survive. There's so many action scenes in the at that and that then we get to the end. I'm just gonna skip to the end with the with the thumbs up in the in the metal. What do you <laughs> in the vat? 
Um, I mean, it's kind of the perfect ending. It it fits the tone of the movie. It's that balance of being um, kind of can't be ridiculous while still like fitting the character and what's going on. Like it's, I, I feel like the movie never lost a sense of the fact that it's slightly ridiculous. The first movie had such a serious tone all the way through and carried it really well. Um, but it was also a tighter film. It was um, like just over a hundred minutes. This movie is, this is how you can tell this is a great movie is because it's over two hours long and nowhere did Nathan mention that they needed to cut 20 minutes from it. Yeah, uh, no, I got Comcast. Are we still talking about Danny Cooksey? Salute your shorts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, we were talking about the end scene of the movie. How do you feel about the thumbs up? Uh, the thumbs up was, I liked it. I, I still like it. I Any corny moment in the movie is probably maybe when they play bad to the bone or anytime Eddie Furlong looks at the so, camera, which is like three times. So one, <laughs> one like big theme in the movie is like, what is it to be human, right? What does humanity mean? This was uh, such what, a, such a discussion point and, after I saw the movie. And so like, what does it mean to be human? And, and throughout the movie, the Terminator becomes more human, right? And Sarah Connor, even in like the outro of the movie, like talks about how like the, the T-800 became uh, more human throughout the movie and then like the thumbs up is like the last kind of sign of that right like he's like you got to kill me because if you don't then you know cyberdyne corporations is going to make skynet out of me right like i'm going to provide the tech that they need to do it so you know you got to just throw me in i'm, I'm kill me now <laughs> and then as when they throw when they lower him into the vat though you know he gives the thumbs up like hey you know i'm i'm that's like it's like uh the exclamation point on the, like, I became somewhat human throughout this, this process. Right. Yeah. I took it and, as an, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Like you're going to be fine. We got this. Um, yeah, I think, and then like you said, Kevin, it's a, it's a, it's an opposite of Terminator. Terminator is so bleak. Terminator two is like, so hopeful. It was like a perfect, like, uh, it was like the perfect, like, follow-up because at the end of the first movie i think a lot of people would be like oh it's it's so sad right it's so tragic or you know in this movie it's like so we were coming back right yes yeah, like it's, it's hopeless to hopeful humanity's worth saving right like they we there's a there's that's something i think that's really really cool about this movie miles um, bennett dyson i'm sorry i gotta say it but he says that one, in the movie and i'm just like why why are you saying Miles Bennett and Dyson like more than Another thing I think that's really cool about this movie is they Linda Hamilton doesn't have like like there had been you know the the female action star she has just like a like a she's just shredded and they made her into like like the same way she's like a female John McClane basically. Yeah. <laughs> they were exactly. like they were like yeah. they're like let's just make her a badass. Like no we're not going to like make her soft or or like super feminine or anything like that. Just, she's like, just going to be there and she's going to be a badass. And I thought that was like super cool. It's she, just to show a different, a different um, style. It's And it makes sense per, with what they perfect, want her responding to. Like she's responding to the fact that um, she basically has to doomsday prep to protect her family and the world. And so like, how does that character respond to it? You know, she has to like harden her heart. She has to like train herself to be physically ready. And so, she looks like someone who spent the seven years in between Terminator one and Terminator two only longer because based on the age of the kid, basically getting herself ready for what she thought was going to happen. It was, it was such a viable thing. And yeah. there's a couple more, there's a couple more commentaries in this movie about like, you know, like the scientists, what they're doing and the, the, um, the corporations, what they're doing. And uh, I think, and also like the, in the, the um the things that the people in the movie should have been able to to count on like the the police the government those are all like the the enemies in the movie because they like won't do what it they won't um look into it they won't kind of they're either know, culpable think, or not uh, or they they ignore the issue they ignore the issue right which i think is like another nice little piece of commentary so yep this movie rules uh this is a cool movie has a lot of special effects. Uh, it's actually saying something, which is something I want action movies to do. Uh, and that's 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 a science, great science fiction makes you think, and this this is I think fits in the category very nicely. So, yep, that's basically it. You got any any more comments, y'all? Uh, just the, in both these movies, I appreciate not only did they nail the main casting, but what always elevates a movie for me is when um, secondary characters are strong. 
And I feel like in both of these movies and very much so in Terminator 2, uh, just casting all the way around was really strong. Um, even small moments, small people like the bikers in the bar. It, it it all worked and they played that role really well. It's it didn't require this amazing level of acting, but just this is such a complete movie and that's so hard to do. Yeah. That's why we like Michael Bean right. so much from Terminator one. Good casting. For sure. All right. So for cabin for Eric, uh, we will see you guys next week and go Hawks. So, so.